0: from Colin, and we're excited for this morning. Thank you, Colin. There are two times you've got to have the mute on, when I'm, well, I have to. You may have to bring that volume down a bit. Larry, volume, yeah. Okay, there are two times I have to have the mute on, one when I'm singing and the other time when I go to the loo. I was in a church where they didn't have it turned down the, the mute on when the pastor went to the loo. <laughs> that was an interesting round. Well, there's my humour for the day. I didn't actually have a joke for the day, but I do have a thought. Now, have I got Rachel up on the, right. the overhead? <laughs> She's checking her little one who's gone off to crèche and, yeah. All right, I did have a thought the other day. It'll come up on the screen there, the first one. It just came to me that the Bible is culture-based but eternity set. If we want to understand the Bible, we look at the culture that was set in at the time, but God had a bigger picture. That was just a thought that came to me. There you go. That's a quote by CED. Oh, that's me. That's right. Yes. Now, the other thought, we'll go to a blank screen for now. The other thought I had, it comes from the movie. You always got to get your, your um, theology from movies, don't you? I am legend. Uh, legend. That's right. <laughs> Will Smith is explaining to the, the woman, Anna, that Bob Marley believed that you could cure racism and hate, literally cure it by injecting music and love into the situation. And he was on for a peace rally and somebody came to him a few days beforehand and shot him. Two days later, he was up singing at the peace rally. That's how much he believed in what he was saying. And when people asked him why, this is what he said have that up on the screen. The people who are trying to make this world worse are not taking a day off. How can I light up the darkness? I thought, I like that quote. It's actually a very interesting one. All right. I'm supposed to start with a lot of humor at the beginning, but you know we'll move on now. Now, if that's the serious stuff, we'll have a bit of fun. As Those who are regular know that I've been working my way on and off through the Lord's Prayer. The first one was our. That took three quarters of an hour and I didn't cover the subject fully. Um, It was community that we can't say it on our own. And then the other part, the next one was our Father, the adopted relationship where the Father brought us into that place. And this morning, I want to go on to our Father in heaven hallowed be your name. That's a lot of words for me, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I've got to say this, that I like pulling words apart because you've got to remember that Hebrew is actually a language that is based in the relationship with God. Their words dictate and demonstrate that right out. English is not... So if you want to translate something from Hebrew to English you actually need a Bible that's two or three times thicker than what we use and or from Greek but their concepts are hard to translate so that's why I like looking into the words and digging out what's in behind them. So our Father in heaven is where I'm starting. So what does in heaven mean? The Bible uses the word heaven some 469 times in the ESV. So it's an important concept. Ask a sign of the Lord your God, let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. These are just some some of the verses. The heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim his handiwork. The heavens declare his righteousness, for God himself is judge. So firstly, what does heaven mean? So I want to give a definition to you and I'll be very specific in my words. Heaven is not up, it is above. And hell is not down, it is below. We think up when we think heaven, right? We always look up to praise and worship. But there is meaning in these words that in the physical we have those directions, we dig graves and put people in them and we talk that um, Satan was cast down to the bowels of the earth but in the spiritual heaven is talking about above, it is rule, authority, it is power it is dominion, it is greatness so when we think of that word heaven we've got to think of the greatness and the dominion of God The the psalmist stood in awe of God's splendor when he looked at the heavens and he said in Psalm 139, now I have tried to avoid Psalm 139. It has so much in it, I recommend you go and read it several times, but I'm looking for verses outside of Psalm 139. But he says in verse 6, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. And I know that often... We think of heaven as a distant thing. It's unattainable. Or is it? As a lot of you know, I like sci fi. You know, I am legend. And I like scientific things. And um, I like to watch, and I've got to not pronounce this because it's the ISS. Who knows what the ISS is? No. The International Space Station. (laughs) ISIS is ISIS. (laughs) Who's seen the International Space Station go over? Just a few of us. You have a maximum time of just over six minutes on the best day to see the space station do the whole run. It's travelling at 27,612.19 kilometres, approximately. Now, I'll give you an exact figure and say approximately because it depends on the ellipse and the science and it's varying. But to give an example, now, if Chris and Lucas wanted to travel at that speed, from their house to here, it would take 1.3 seconds, Okay. Or if I wanted to travel at that speed from my place to here, it would take me 0.2 seconds. I think there would be some devastation on the way, like I play Xbox in the car game, Okay, Right, I have air conditioning in my car because that wall took out the back window, yeah, etc. So, but when I think of that one in heaven... I know that it's something that I'm never going to get to, right? I'm never going to get to that place in heaven, that heaven. It's just out of my reach. So first of all, I want to clarify, is there just one heaven? When the Bible talks about heaven, there are, well, let's look at Hebrews 4.14. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, plural, Jesus, the Son of God. All right. There's another verse that I haven't, we won't put up, but behold, the Lord God belongs heaven, uh, to the Lord God belongs heaven and the heaven of heavens. So there's obviously more than one heaven referred to in the Bible. In fact, there are at least three. There's the atmospheric heaven, the place where the wind is, the the storms, the birds fly. And um, one of the verses there that says, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens. That's in Genesis. He prayed again and the heaven gave rain. So that is the physical heaven that we know of, the atmosphere. Then the next one is the celestial or astronomical realm. The stars, the sun, the moon, the um, comets, the falling stars. And uh, Jesus said in Matthew 24, 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give light, and the stars will fall from heaven. All right, so there's two realms of heaven. But the third realm of heaven is the most important. Each one of those we have mathematical limits to, don't we? We can measure to the top of the atmosphere. They argue over exactly where that is. But the next one is the God's realm. In Matthew 23, 22, and whoever swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits on it that's Jesus talking so this is the realm of God it is not only the realm of God but it's the realm of oops, spelling error angels and demons we're going to read a bit of a, a scripture here who knows the Daniel story of Daniel all right, from Daniel chapter 10. Okay, just seeing where we're, making sure it's up where we started. A man clothed in linen, he's had a vision of this man. A man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist. His body is like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like the flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of... Br- burnished bronze and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude and I Daniel alone saw the vision for the men who were with me did not see the vision but the great trembling fell upon them and they fled to they fled to hide themselves (coughs) so I was left alone and saw this great vision And no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed and I retained my strength. Retained no strength. Sorry. Thank you. Then I heard the sound of his words. And as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground. Sounds like he was really fearful of this, wasn't he? Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your your heart to understand and humbled yourselves before God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. For I was left with the the kings of Persia and came to you and came to make you understand what is happening to your people in the latter days for this vision is for the days yet to come. It's just interesting in there that Daniel's vision, I believe he actually saw Christ because it's the same reaction that Saul had on the road to Damascus. He saw it, the others were fearful but that's a point that's on the way. But there's a heaven is a place where the spirits are warring as well, okay? It is not just a place where God is, but it is God, it's a place where the spirits are. So now we've got the place that God is throned there and the spirits are working. Now, in light of this verse of Matthew chapter 6, I want us to look at who is God. I want us to put a perspective on God in heaven, the Father in heaven. How powerful is he? Isaiah forty-four twenty-four 24 says, Thus says the Lord your Redeemer, who formed you from the womb, I am the Lord who made all things, Who alone stretches out the heavens, who spread out the earth by myself. Basically, they give this a fancy word. They call it omnipotence. He is all-powerful. God has created everything. I'm refreshing things, but I think sometimes we need refreshing on some of these points. Because when we pray this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, we can pray it so glibly, can't we? How much does God know? Job 37 16. Do you know how the clouds hang poised? Those wonders of Him who has perfect knowledge. We use the term there omniscience or omniscient. God is all knowing. And then the third aspect of Him is how far. Can he reach? How far is his reach? <clears throat> and in Jeremiah 23, it reads, "As I, Am I a God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not feel heaven and earth, declares the Lord? That God is the one that is everywhere and sees everything. I remember one uh, little girl was asking her father, Does God see, is God watching me all the time? And the father answered, God loves you so much he can't keep his eyes off you. But he talks of the power of God to me. That the God of heaven is looking to see each one of us. And the other aspect of God that I want us to look at right now is, does God have a beginning and end? Some people, whoops, I'm coming adrift. Got to re this thing. Has God got a beginning or end? Revelation 1.8, that's the one I've got, isn't it? Yep, I am the Alpha and Omega, says the Lord God, who is and was and is to come. There's other verses that we have. The King of Ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, beyond to him beyond a glory forever and ever. This really speaks to me of God's never-endingness. So if people want to argue that, you know, God started here or ends there? No, no. This talks to me of the infiniteness of God, and it's out of that position that God, from that sitting on the throne, that who is the God in heaven that comes down to each one of us. That He is the one that is. How do I describe it? He is so big, but He is so present. I find this concept that's something that's, you know, it's always hard because we always think of heaven and going to heaven as a distant thing. But God wants us to be aware of his presence, his heavenly presence all the time. And so my challenge, one of my challenges this morning is how big is God in your life? How big is God in the situations that you're going through at present? Do you see him in the troubles as well as in the good times? It's easy in the good times, isn't it? Do you see God to bring out is going to bring out good out of your mistakes? You stuff up. You need to trust God that he can bring it round to good. Not deliberate stuff ups. The Lord has to need repentance for those. But where you... I've made a mistake, you've failed. I failed in my marriage. You know, I know that the Lord will bring out good out of all this. Are you totally depending on God so all things work together for good? We say the scripture that all things work together for good. But do we totally depend on God that everything is going to work out? When we're struggling? And My question is, if what not, why not? Now one of the troubles with this world nowadays is they actually want to diminish God. All roads lead to heaven. There's over three million gods in India and I use the word in the lower form because there is only one true God. They also say that God is love so I don't believe he will reject anybody. This is what the world wants to think. God really didn't mean that, looking at the, the Word. I think we hold the Bible too tightly, it's another phrase. I've actually heard that phrase about things of God's Word and to me, that is a direct reflection of how much they don't trust God. If God is the one that knows all, that God is the one that is so powerful, then God's Word stands. As we said in that phrase earlier, it's set in culture but it's eternity based. That God's Word runs right through. No matter what situation you're in, that's where God's Word can run. And I know that in my life the times that I find that I am not trusting God so much is the times when I start to see Negativity and negatively into situations. I'm getting depressed because things are not working. They're not working the way I think they should. Right? I pray they should change. Sometimes the only thing I can do is to actually come to God and say, God, help me to show, your, show me your grace in this situation. Change my heart so I can see you in the Absolute rubbish. I could have used some other words, but I won't. That I'm going through. Lord, make in my heart and in my life you as a greater part than this trouble is in my life. And I'll tell you sometimes, I'm not, I'm not good with flowery words with, in prayer. Often all I can do is come to God and say, God, the situation is just... I've got, I've got situations with people that I'm finding so hard. Lord, give me your grace. And then I just go off into tongues. And I let the Spirit in me, God's Spirit in me, speak out into the heavenly realms. And the other thing that I've found in my own life is that and I've seen it in people around. Am I doing it for God or to God? Am I doing it for him or unto him? Now, unfortunately, people who are doing things for God usually miss out on God. It comes out of their own self. I've heard somebody say that, you know, Oh, once I get this business up and running, I'll be able to give all this money and, you know, I'll be able to tie 20% because I'll be getting so much more money. Hey, tie 20% now and watch God work. It's not doing things for God, but it's doing things to God, unto God, so that it becomes an offering to God. This is what the God in heaven speaks to me about. And I enjoy preparing these words because I get challenged so much as I do it. Because once you're doing it as an offering to God, you're asking God, Lord, make this a thing that pleases you. Not make the job that I'm doing, but let the job I'm doing please you. I'm not out to do a job that you've got to be pleased with. Let what I'm doing please you. And if God says don't do it, then, hey, it's time to change. And it also comes with a character. See, Trent last week was saying that we have to work out of character. Not to do things, but to work out of the character that's in our lives. And then that will come in. And it comes out of the character of humility and giving to God as a basis of our living. This is what the phrase our Father in heaven has been speaking to me about. We talk about the sacrifice of praise in Hebrews 13 15 but the sacrifice of praise is not standing up and worshipping God here, it's praising God when things are not going good. A sacrifice is only something that costs you something. Okay, I know of um, Bill Johnson where I think it was his grandson was ill and died and the next day in church, he was in church praising God and they're asking him, how are you going to do that? He said, well, this is... no, he was in, in church during the time praising God and they asked him, how could he do it? And he says, this is a sacrifice of praise. Because it was hard, it was a thing that he was doing for God, giving it unto God. So, my question to you is Does this phrase, our Father in heaven, does this phrase tell you that God's in control or is afar he off? He's aloof. Now, I want to touch on the next part of the, the verse there. Hallowed be your name. Okay, what's hallowed mean? See, this is where I go to the Greek and um, look into the Bible because in English it means holy, but in Greek it means to make holy. There's a difference, isn't there? One of it is holy, we know God's name is holy, but in the Greek it is to be whole to make holy. So I've come up. With one of my colonizations. Okay? My name being Colin, you know. Um, one time we had a colonoscopy, but we won't go into on that one. Look, looking deeper into the word. <laughs> living to make or to show or to hold God's name as holy. That's what this was saying to talk to me about. That holy is your name, is, it's living to make God's name holy, it's an action thing. the question is how much do we keep it that way in our own lives especially when the tempers flare it's the hard times isn't it it's the hard times you know where out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks and you regret it and you go back to God you repent of it and say Lord I need to be making your name holy it's something that we have to take party and it's active so that whole verse I have done as another colonisation Our Father who is seated and ruling from heaven we uphold your name as holy So I reckon if they actually translate the Bible it would be twice as thick as the printed ones are and it would never happen to be a book that we want to read Our Father who is seated and ruling from heaven, we uphold your name as holy. Sounds more like a declaration, worship, doesn't it? Giving over to God things. And it got me thinking of what the word worship actually was. And worship, I'm sorry to put it this way, is not singing these songs. That is part of worship, but worship is not singing the songs. Now, we will continue to use the term worship in this. And that's all right, but as long as we understand what worship is. The Hebrew has two, words for, two of the words for worship that gets translated as worship. The first one we're going to see in Genesis 2.15. Have you got Genesis 2.15 to launch there, Rachel? No. Oh. <laughs> the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. The word to work is actually also translated as worship in the Jewish Tradition. The Jewish word, oh, I'm not a Hebrew link, um, student at all. Obda, avada, depends which way they want to pronounce it. Literally means work, worship, and service. And the most significant service and worship was when the high priest on the time of Yom Kippur the day of atonement who knows the day of atonement when the high priest goes in they do all this sacrificial worship uh, sacrificial offerings they, he takes the blood and he goes into the holy of holies and he is allowed once a year to go into and he sprinkles the blood on the altar and he has a rope around his leg that is the bell stop. They drag him out, nobody goes into touch. And that is the word that they use in that situation. That word of obda. The word for work, worship and service are all together. And the other word they talk about and they translate is, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce it, HWH. HWH means to bow down. And that's a common one that's translated as worship 172 times. But it always has a physical aspect to it. And one of the um, words, one of the definitions I saw and I liked was worship is a human response to a gracious God. Our response to God is what worship is really about. And when we worship, we are recognising the value of the other person that we are worshipping. You want synonyms? We're on the synonyms. Supremacy. Precedence. Dominance. Primacy. Ascendancy. Greatness. Eminence. They go on, a few more of them there. And when we come to God, our act of worship needs to be the one where we're actually seeing Him as Lord, as Lord Almighty, the Saviour, the God who rules and reigns. And the character that that requires is that we fear God. We understand that He is greater than us and that we Fear that in awe. It comes with a humility. It come, comes also with a hunger to know more about God. No point in coming to you know fearing God if you don't want to know more about God. <coughs> Obedience to His word is a life of surrender. The last verse I have for you is Romans chapter twelve verse one. I appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercy of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritually divine service or worship. The Greek word translated as worship is actually service. We know it as worship don't we? So that when we're doing things it becomes every part of our life our ears, our tongues, our eyes, our minds, our actions—all become part of that worship that we have to God. So that when we pray this prayer, "Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name," let's think of that. Is is a total surrender to God? Is is active surrender to God? Because We are making his name holy as we do. I want us to take just a minute to think right now. Just to reflect on these few words. What part of our life are we needing to trust God in more? You're finding it hard to trust God in something? Tell God you're finding it hard to trust him. Seriously, take it to God First up, is he your first port of call? Is he the one that you're wanting just to have dominance in your life? Then take the troubles and those areas to him as your first port of call. Don't talk to all your friends about it as much before you've talked to God first. I want us just to bow our heads right now. I want us to take a moment just to think about it and personally surrender things to God and then we'll pray. father we do come before you lord help us to live the life of worship help us to live that in everything we do you we make your name holy in our lives so the people around will see that there is something different something new something vibrant something that is totally not what they expect father but lord today we surrender those areas to you that we, are have, that we are having trouble with. Lord, that you would give us a fresh understanding of your love and your grace in this same place. Lord, open our eyes to see that you are the one that truly rules and reigns over all that is happening. And that we can just rest and trust in you in these things. Give us the strength to stand up, to walk through them, Lord. Because you take us through the valley of the shadow of death. You don't let us just stay in that place. You take us out of it into the places of life and life, Father. And Lord, we do just surrender to you today that every step of our life would be a time of worship, of surrender to you, whether it's at work or talking with the neighbours or driving the car or washing the car or whatever it is, Father, that it would all be done unto you, Father, that our lives would be that total surrender To make your name holy because you are the God that rules and reigns from heaven. And we thank you that this is the God that we know now. Amen.